0: We have many, many more years, but we've been married for just over three years, and for anyone who's been married, who's married now, or who's been married, or or knows someone who has been married, or who is getting married, you'll know that... But a part of that process is that the couple often receive a whole lot of wonderful wedding gifts. Uh, we received many gifts from family and friends, kitchen gadgets and towels. We have beautiful serving bowls that our, our friends got us. We have fine china that we uh, use when uh, we have dinner guests at our apartment. We love all of those gifts. They're great. My favorite uh, gift, though, was given to us by, by Catherine's grandmother, her nanny, is, as she's called by all of her grandchildren. Nanny gave us this beautiful set of white lace dinner napkins that she made, and she wrote a little note with the napkins telling us how to, how to care for them, how to launder them, and she let us know that even when we wash them, the, the love that she put into them will never wash out, and I, I love these these dinner napkins that Nanny gave to us for our wedding. The thing is, we've, we've never actually used these dinner napkins. <laughs> uh, they stay in a little box uh, in our china cabinet, and Nanny told us whenever she gave them to us that we could only, we could only use them on special occasions, she said. You can only use them when, uh, when the bishop comes over for dinner. Catherine and I have known a few bishops, and sadly, no bishops have come to dine with us just yet. So, those napkins stay in their nice little box, waiting uh, for that day when a bishop will come so that we can pull them out. I was thinking about Nanny and those napkins and special occasions, special meals, as I started to read this, this story for today that we hear in Luke chapter 14. We're in Luke chapter 14. Last week we heard a story about Jesus healing a woman on the Sabbath day. We're here in this chapter, and Jesus is again doing something on the Sabbath day that maybe he shouldn't be doing. Jesus and his disciples often get in trouble on the Sabbath. There are four times in Luke's gospel account where Jesus gets in trouble on the Sabbath. Three of those times it's because he is healing someone, he's doing some sort of work, and the religious leaders are not very happy with the things that he's doing. So we're on the Sabbath again today. There's a, a portion of the text, I'm not sure why, but the folks who, who compiled the lectionary, they decided not to include it in our reading for today, but there's a portion of the text that takes place just before uh, this reading about this meal, and Jesus, as he's going to the house of this religious leader, this Pharisee, we're told that he sees a man with, with dropsy, with edema, and he stops And he asks the Pharisees if it's okay for him to heal this man on the Sabbath. Last week, if you remember, when Jesus stopped to heal a woman on the Sabbath, he sort of got into a shouting match with the religious leader in the synagogue. That religious leader says that there are six days on which work can be done, but the Sabbath day is not one of those days. And so this week, when Jesus sees this man, he asks first if he could heal him. And the Pharisees, they are silent. They don't say anything. And so we're told that Jesus takes the man by the hand, and he heals him, and then he sends him on his way. And then the action picks up where we see our story today. Jesus goes into this house for this meal, this very fine meal, this really nice meal on the Sabbath day. And we're told that as he he goes into the house, the Pharisees are watching him closely. That's what the text says. They are watching him closely. They are waiting to see if he will if he will trip up, if he'll do something that he's not supposed to be doing. And I think it's fair to say that, that Jesus is also watching all of those religious leaders very closely as well. Now it's important to note that the dining In Jesus's day was a a pretty special thing eating a meal in someone's house was a was a special thing not only because you got to share a a good meal good food with good people but it's also a way of showing off how how powerful you were how much status you had so you'd invite all of your all of your powerful guests to your house for this meal you'd serve them this wonderful feast and and based on where those people were seated at the dining room table, you'd know just how powerful they, they were. So, if you were seated close to the host, maybe you had more power. If you were seated far away from the host, maybe you weren't quite as important as those who were up front at the table. Jesus comes into the room and he sees all of the dinner guests gathered around the table, and we're not told where he was going to be seated. But as he comes into the room and he sees, he looks around and he sees all of these guests, he starts to tell them a parable. Now a parable, and I think I've said this before, a parable is a metaphor or a simile. It's something that we use to, to tell a story, to, to talk about something else. And so Jesus starts to, to tell this parable to all of the folks who are gathered in this religious leader's house. He says, imagine that you are at a big, fancy wedding at St. John's Church. He he doesn't quite say that, but you all can get the idea. He says, imagine that you're at this big, fancy wedding at St. John's Church. You've got a a beautiful bride, a a handsome groom. The preacher says wonderful things, as the preachers at St. John's Church always do. The service ends, and then everyone walks across the street to head to the top floor of the Hay Adams for a reception. He says, now, imagine that you walk in and you find your seat at one of the tables close to the head table with the bride and the groom, and then you sit down and you start eating your salad, and then the mother of the bride walks in and comes over to you and says, we're going to need you to take one of those back seats because we've got someone more important who needs to sit here. Jesus says, imagine how embarrassed you will be when the other folks at the table see you moving to the lesser seat. And then he says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This whole story, and I I think, I hope that you all will agree, the Christian life is about humility. The life of faith is about humility. I often think of, I think of lots of people when I think of, of humility, but I, I think of one person in particular. He often comes to mind when I think of someone who is a, a humble and yet powerful person. I think of President Jimmy Carter. You all, I'm sure, know President Carter. President Carter is a great man. He's served his community. He served the nation. He served the world with uh, doing wonderful things. I think about his work uh, in Africa and Asia, where he and the Carter Center have been working to eradicate the, the guinea worm and guinea worm disease, uh, when he started doing that work in 1986, there were 3.5 million people who were affected with guinea worm disease. Now, in 2016, there are two confirmed cases of guinea worm disease in the entire world, uh, President Carter and his foundation, they've done wonderful things. He is a leader in his church. He teaches Sunday school week in and week out, and he does all of this because of his faith in God. He does all of this because he loves Jesus, and he talks openly about that. He said at one point, he said that my faith demands that I do whatever I can wherever I can, whenever I can, with whatever I have to try to do some good in this world. And so that's what Jimmy Carter works at doing. He's a powerful man, and yet he seems very comfortable finding, sitting in that, that seat, that low seat, that seat of humility. He's very comfortable there. I think our lives as people of faith are meant to be lived out in humble ways, in meek ways, in quiet ways, in ways of service. We hear this wonderful reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Hebrews is such a a powerful book. There's so much in there. I wish that we could read Hebrews every week. And the writer of that letter says that we should let mutual love continue. The writer says that we should show hospitality to strangers— that we should remember those who are in prison, that we should be mindful of those who are being tortured or abused or persecuted. We should give of what we have, and we should do that, the writer says, because doing all of those things pleases God. So who, who are we supposed to love? To whom are we supposed to be good? All that we have to do, I think, is look at the very end of our reading from Luke's gospel account today. Jesus says, don't worry so much about your family and your friends, those people who are doing okay. Don't don't worry about your, your rich neighbors. He says, go out and invite and care for and be with the sick, the oppressed, the poor, those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are in most need. He says, go out and take care of those people. That, is our work as people of faith. That is our work as followers of Jesus. Now, the good news for us, the good news is that we, all of us here, people all around the world, we have a place at God's table. We have that by virtue of our baptism we have a place at God's table. When we get a, a foretaste of that, that heavenly table, that heavenly banquet, every time we, we come and we gather around this, this communion table here at St. John's Church and, and altars all around the world, we get a foretaste when we share, when we eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus. But because we're baptized people, because we're baptized followers of Jesus, that means that we also have work to do. In just a few moments, we'll bring up our baptismal candidate here at St. John's Church. Michael and Priya will present their son Ravi for baptism. And as we go through the, the baptismal liturgy, we'll get into the baptismal covenant, and then I will ask them on behalf of their son if they will seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving their neighbor, loving his neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself, if they will strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. And I'm asking them that, but you all are being asked those very same questions, for that is our work as people of faith. That is our work as followers of Jesus. And when we gather together with them here, we say that we will do that work, we will strive, we will do our very best to do those things with God's help. We're gathered together today with with Jesus at his table. We get to choose which seat we want to sit at. Some of us will be in high seats, some of us will be in the lower seats wherever we are, wherever we are in our work, in our lives of faith, wherever we are, however much power and privilege we have, may we together remember that we are called to go out into the world, to minister to those who are broken and hurting, to share God's good news, and to remind the world that there is hope, and peace, and life, and truth in Jesus Christ. Amen.